All right. Well, good morning, Brave family. How are we doing this morning? Doing well? All right. It was so good to be here this morning. If you have uh, your notes out, hopefully you have a lot of notes. There's a lot of fill-ins today, so we're going to get into that before we hold this Christmas. And I know the Christmas chaos has probably already begun, I'm sure. And uh, many of you, how many of you guys got your lights up? You got your lights up already? How many of you are like, not yet, hasn't gone there yet? And, uh, but the, chaos, the, the Christmas chaos is a real thing. We have four kids, and so the Christmas chaos is a, is a real thing. But man, I just want to anchor into the word behold, and I won't get into that now, but I'm super excited about it. And this whole series is about not allowing the Christ to be removed out of Christmas, right? And, um, and so we want to just really anchor into this. So we'll spend a couple of weeks unpacking that uh, as we get into our Christmas season. And so we'll start that next week, all right? So if you have your notes, I think we might have the lights are going to come on in just a minute. So that way they can, you can see your notes that are in front of you. We've been in this series called Thanks and Giving. And we'll put a chart up on the screen, and then I'll explain the chart to you just in case uh, if you're new with us today or uh, maybe you haven't, you've missed a few weeks and you haven't caught up online yet. Let me un- unpack this chart, all right? So uh, this chart is something we've talked about over and over again. You've seen it every single week, so you should have it memorized now. And what this chart is, this is a survey that was done years back of 525 churches, 180,000 people were part of this survey. And they came out with this like data from the survey that said in every single American church, like evangelical church that you kind of are part of, or maybe you're familiar with something like this, there are, tends to be four groups of people, a group of people who are exploring God beginning in God, and, and it's grace that separates those two. So you have somebody come into church setting where they're just exploring. They're not sure about God, but they're exploring God. And then they come to know God as their Savior. They recognize that they will not have eternal life without the grace of God on their life. And so they accept Christ as their Savior, and that moves them. And now they're beginning in their relationship with God. Then we unpack this that said, what well, takes a person who's beginning in their relationship with God to somebody who maybe would say is close to to God. They've got a closer relationship with the Lord. What separates those people? And it's God's word. It's when they get into the Bible. Then the, you need, I know some of you, it's an app. I know that. I get that. But I'm just going to tell you, I'm a huge fan of the, the Bible in, in print. And it's just, it's a this is, I don't know, kind of a cool thing. But anyways, so you get into the Word of God, you start to study the Word of God, and you get close to God, which makes sense because Jesus is the Word of God. And so the more you read the Word of God, the more you find out about who Christ is and the closer you get. So it's God's Word that's that church setting. And if you just notice in of growing in faith, we've talked about this chart a lot. Write this key truth down. Here's what we see from this. Here's what we extract from this. Again, 525 churches, 180,000 people contributed. Here's the truth that we unpack from this chart. Write this in your notes. Growing churches grow in giving. Growing churches grow in giving. That's just a, a reality that we see. And not, not just, remember, not just, not just financial giving, but in their time and their talent and their treasure. You say, what do you mean growing churches? I'm not talking about just the actual organization, 501c3 church. I'm talking about the people, which is the body of Christ. That is to say people. You could even say giving. Like that doesn't make any sense. You would say, no, that makes sense. Like disciples grow in giving. Yeah, Christians grow in giving. At least we should. Amen. We're right. We agree with that. Are we in agreement? Like that makes sense. That that should be true. Or how many would say, no, I disagree. Let's just have a conversation right now. No, Christians should not grow in giving. They should decrease and be more selfish. Okay. So we all agree, right? This is, you had your chance. Okay. So, 
So we all agree that we should grow in our giving and grow in churches, grow in giving. So good, so true. All right, if you have your Bible, if you wanna open it up, 2 Corinthians chapter eight, that is where we're gonna be today. And I'm gonna put some of the verses, of course, on the screen. Uh, but um, yeah, so 2 Corinthians chapter eight, and Paul is writing this church in Corinth, and we'll put a map up on the screen, and then I'll explain this, this map to you. Um, and I'm gonna open my Bible up too because there's a couple of verses that I didn't put into my notes that uh, I might end up unpacking. So I'm gonna do this and open the Bible. You're gonna hear pages of the Bible actually being flipped, just in case you've never heard that sound. Okay, so, all right, 2 Corinthians 8 and chapter nine, that's where we've been. Okay, so we're gonna put a map up on the screen just to kind of bring us all up to date where we are in this letter. Paul is writing this letter to the church in Corinth. This is important as we abstract this final piece of this series, all right? So we've unpacked this a little bit. You have this map down here below, and you see this area called Achaia. That's the southern part. And then you see this northern part up here, this Thessalonica. This is the location, but Macedonia, this northern part, this northern part. All right, so three churches that he's talking about as we talk about the churches of Macedonia. He's talking about Thessalonica. You see Berea and Philippi. These three dots that you see on the screen, he is referring to those, and he's going to use these churches as an example, and he's writing this letter called Corinthians to this church in, how come everybody didn't get that answer, right? Are we, are we good? So he's writing to this church in, in Corinthians, and he's writing this letter to this church in Corinth, okay? So he's writing to this church in Corinth, he's using these other churches as an example about how they should give. That's what he's doing in the letter as we unpack this, just so you see it from a geography perspective of what he's doing. All right, so he writes this. Now we're gonna go to 2 Corinthians chapter nine. We've been in chapter eight a little bit. We're gonna skip over to chapter nine. And in this particular talk, or this particular part of the letter, uh, he's gonna talk about the result of giving. So I titled the message, The Result of Giving. All right, now remember, we're talking about time, talent, and treasure, so the result of giving. And we're gonna start with verse 12 of chapter nine, and this is what he speaks, this is what he writes. This is Paul. Now you gotta remember, and you gotta bear with me, because this is gonna feel a little heavy today, but bear with me on this. Understand Paul. Paul's a, an apostle, he's a church planner. He started churches, and he has great relationship with these people in that he has great influence, he has great relationship. In other words, he is not afraid to share how he feels. If you're a parent, you're not intimidated, or at least you shouldn't be, by your children. You're not afraid to tell them what they need to hear, even if they don't want to hear it. Now, all the parents say, amen, right? You, hey, I don't care if you don't want to hear it. You need to hear this. How many parents have ever made the statement? Grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, brothers, or sisters. You ever said that to somebody? A boss? I don't care if you don't want to hear it. You need to hear it. All right. This is where Paul is, so I'm telling you about what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. So you've got to understand the tone of which he's also writing this, okay? He's a little frustrated, maybe. Maybe he's a little annoyed by it, all right? There's a little tension here in the room when this letter is being read, all right? So Paul is writing with that, and here's what he writes. He's reminding them about these churches giving in Macedonia. The churches in Macedonia, Philippi, Thessalonica, and Berea, have given extremely well. We read that in chapter 8. They have donated so much generosity, and yet they're a poor church. They're, they're, they don't have a lot, but they've given so much generously to the church. And now he's writing to a church of Corinth, and he's saying, hey, church in Corinth, 
You should be excelling in giving. I mean, you're talking about how good your preaching is. Remember this? You're talking about how good your music is. You're talking about how good your lighting is. He didn't write that, but that's the point. And he's like, but, but your giving is lacking. Your giving is lacking, and it should be excelling in giving. Look at these churches. So that's the context. All right, here we go. Now we're in. Chapter 9, verse 12. He says, this service, with all that in mind, this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people. Pause. So I'm going to talk to you about four results of giving. And the first one we see right here, this, I want you to see this word, this service. So he's talking about what service? He's talking about the service of giving because the whole chapter is about giving. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people. Pause. First thing, a result of your giving. A result of giving, time, talent, and treasure is this, meeting needs. Write it down. A result of giving is meeting needs needs. All right, now this specific offering that Paul is talking about, and this is all about money, these eight and nine is about money, specifically it's about money, because he's trying to gather an offering for some poor Christians, okay? So he's trying to gather some offering to help meet the needs of the poor. That's what this specific chapter is on, but in chapter 16 of 1 Corinthians, he talks about regular giving, okay? So that's a whole nother conversation, but this specific one he's talking about a unique offering. All right. In that context, he says this service ultimately is going to result in meeting needs. And your giving meets practical needs. I want to read something to you. We'll put it up on the screen. I just read this. This is a stat about giving, just something interesting, something to maybe think on or chew on. So if every Christian tithed 10%, I'm not here to try to debate with you about tithe. I'm just saying if this sentence. If every Christian gave 10%, faith organizations, that would be churches, would have an extra $139 billion each year, according to the health research funding. Pause. Then I added in this sentence. This is just, this sentence here is not quoted. That's just, this is a sentence from a truth fact. It takes about $40 billion a year to end global hunger. I'll let you read that one more time. Now go, now, now say what I say. Wow. You know, hmm. Did you see what I just put up there? If every Christian gave 10% of their income, who claims to be a Christian and a Christ follower, we would end global hunger easily. No child would die because of no food if every Christian just gave 10%. Wrap your head around that, right? Does that bother any of you? You don't have to raise your hand, but man, I hope, and I'm telling you, I get very emotional about this. You just, that wrecks me. And I'm not mad, it just, but it, gosh, it puts this holy discontentment inside of me that just goes, gosh, that doesn't sit well with me. And if we love the Lord and love the gospel of Jesus Christ and understand what Christ has done for us, how can that not move deeply and to the pit of the stomach of those who love the Lord. I don't know. But that irks me. And I understand there's so many reasons probably why people don't give whatever percent they might choose to give. And I, from people not trusting or whatever it might be, but I read that and I just go, oh, right? Have you ever seen the movie Hotel Rwanda? Anybody ever seen the movie Hotel Rwanda? If you haven't, you should go watch the movie. It's about genocide. Years ago it came out. But there's a line in the movie, and it's just genocide happening. 
and people being murdered and slaughtered and women being raped. And it's just a brutal kind of, you know, movie, but uh, based on true story. And there's a line in the movie, there's a scene in the movie, and that's so gut-wrenching, so moving. The guys in, in Rwanda are saying, you've got to get this news out about the genocide. Come on, I mean, if you just, if you just put them to the media, if you, just, if you let the Americans know, this is his whole point, if you show the world, if you show the Americans about what's happening over here, they have the funding, they have the resources, they have the military, they have what they need. They'll get over here and help us. I mean, they will. How could they not? Look what's happening. And the guy in the media, the journalist who's there, and I'm getting it pretty close to accurate, and he, he looks at the guy and he says, no, don't you, oh, guilty right here, 100%. How many times have I sat there and watched stuff happening around the world and went, oh, hey, what's for dinner tonight? Man, it just grips. I just want to remind you that when we give to the body of Christ, Paul is letting them know it's going to ultimately result in one thing, it's meeting the needs of people. That is Paul's big point, God. Okay, how many of you, who I know some of you might be new with us today for the first time, but how many of you in this church, you would say, you have given thanks to God through this church's ministry, if you said, through a message, through songs, you're sitting in the chair today and you're thinking, I am thankful for this church. How many of you would say, yeah, just raise your hand. Like, man, I've had a moment with the Lord, something, okay, awesome. You see, it's still happening. People give financially to this church that pay the bills for this church, that help staff the church, that help do all the things the church does, and look how it's overflowed into many of your thanks to God. That's Paul's point. You see? And so without all those people giving, you don't have thanks to God for what's happened here. It's not to say that God wouldn't provide it elsewhere because God is a sovereign God. Of course he would. But he's just showing how generosity turns into many thanks to God. Amen? All right. Then he continues on. He says, because of the service, verse 13, by which you have proved, because he's just so honest. Don't you love when people are real? Come on, can we get, do you like it when people are fake? No, 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 we like real people. We say it all the time in our culture, be real. You want me to be real? Do you want me to be real? No. <laughs> Why do you look scared? Don't, do you want me to be real? You know. All right, so this is Paul being real, and he says, hey, I'm gonna be real with you. You know the confession that you've made with your mouth? Your confession of what? Of the gospel of Christ? That's the confession you made? Oh, your obedience should, should prove that. It should accompany that. There should be action that kind of goes right along with what you say. You say the gospel, the Jesus of good news of Christ is so good, and it's internal life through Christ Jesus and nowhere else, and Jesus who died on the cross rose from the dead, and you confess that, then your actions should accompany your mouth. Right? Put your actions where your mouth is. How about this? Put your money where your mouth is. Anybody ever heard that line? Can, can, can you just see it being understood that way? Put your money where your mouth is. This Paul is literally writing to this church. This is heavy, I told you, and he's the one, hey, you've talked about the gospel. Put your money where your mouth is. Man. 
right? It's just in your face. And for your generosity and sharing with them with everyone else. Now, he's not trying to beat them up. He's trying to, in his heart, remind them. Don't you remember the gospel? We give from grace. Church in Corinth, got to rise up. Look at these churches over here. Look how they're giving all through 2 Corinthians chapter 8. So good. Then number three, a result of giving is evidence of God's work in our lives. That's his point. One of the results of giving is it'll show evidence of God's work in your life. Remember the chart we put up a moment ago. That's evident too. I mean, giving is evidence that God is doing of their obedience to be a follower of Christ. If a person doesn't have a generous heart, there's a sense in which they are not obedient to the confession of the gospel of Christ. Did you hear me, church, family? Hear my heart in this today, which is all about for you. I want you to understand that. I want you to understand this, that there is a sense in which they are not obedient. If you're not obedient to the confession of gospel of Christ, if a person does not have a generous heart, how could they say, like God says, if you have not love for one another, how could you say you have love for Christ or the Christ of love is inside of you? For when God's love is inside of you, it overflows into love for others, which by the way is, what are the ways that are meet needs and showing generosity in your time and your talent and your treasure, not just treasure. Gosh, you see this so clearly in scripture. And then he goes on. Oh, by the word, the, the way the word sharing, if we go back to the verse up just for a moment, if you go back to the verse, verse 13, it says, in the generosity in sharing with them, this Greek word sharing is the Greek word koinonia. It's the same word that you find in Acts chapter two when all the believers came together and shared everything they had. That Greek word is koinonia, which actually means to be in fellowship or in community or to meet in needs of one another. You're doing life with one another. This is important, understanding that. Communion, having things in common, putting your things at the table to make sure that everybody has what they need to have and the gospel is being pushed forward. All right, then he goes on to say and continues on, and he says this in verse 15, he says, uh, in verse 14 and 15, he says, and in their prayers, he says, for, uh, for you, so they're gonna pray for you now because of what you've done for them, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace that God has given you. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. This Greek word indescribable was actually an interesting word. It means to be unspeakable or indescribable. What's interesting about this word is that the Greek word used here is not found in any ancient writing before this time. I want you to understand this. This word is a word that has never been used in history so long as we know that this is the first time this word is recorded in ancient history. So Paul uses a word that had never been used before to describe something that's indescribable and the word meant indescribable. In other words, I don't have a word here, so I'm gonna put a word here that I don't have to describe the gift that God has given us. What is he referencing? Christ. Salvation. The gift of Christ. The savior of the world who has come to pay for your sins and my sins. This is a great indescribable gift that God has left heaven and all its riches and glory and come to earth 
for the salvation of humanity. How can I possibly put a word around that? I cannot describe it. This indescribable gift. God's indescribable gift should fill us, his whole point, with gratitude. Number four, write this down. A result of giving is an increase of gratitude. Paul lands it with this. He lands these two chapters with this thought of saying, hey, man, when you think about God's indescribable gift, that should overflow in generosity. How could it not? When you think about giving your time or your talent or your... And then giving your time and your talent and your treasure is not difficult in regards to the choice, or at least it shouldn't be, right? That's Paul's whole point in 2 Corinthians 8 and chapter 9. It's his whole point. Key truth, write this down. God's indescribable gift is what inspires all true giving. The best motivation for giving is always gratitude for the indescribable gift of God to us. And I just unpack that for you, what I mean by that. If you struggle with giving of time, talent, or treasure to the body of Christ, just take a pause, consider his grace, now make your decision. How could any follower of Christ, this is Paul's point, say no when you consider his grace? Okay, let's put that in practical scenario. If I said, this is Paul's point, he was trying to anchor in wanting people to serve and help and volunteer in the local church and distribute food to the poor, or whatever it might be, and help serve and set up and tear down. Hey, before you sign up to volunteer, I just want you to remember, Jesus died for you. Do you remember the cross, the whole thing, thorns on his head, a lot of pain, a lot of tears, crying, you know, hurt, oh, that didn't feel so good, stabbing in his side. Oh, and he did all of that because he loves you, and then he overcame the grave, and, and he resurrects himself, and he walks around in 40 days, and one day he says he's gonna come back, and he's prepared a place of eternal life for you and your soul, and in heaven you get a new body where there's no pain, no sickness, no death, no guilt, no shame, no greed, no jealousy. Everything is as it was originally designed to be, and he loves you so much. Anyone not wanna volunteer? Once a month? This is Paul's point. But the letter is on giving money. He says, just pull back. Remember the grace of God. And he had such faith in the church in Corinth too because he talks about it. He's like, guys, don't disappoint me. I know you're gonna give. But he's reminding them before the gift is received of why they give in the first place. That's his whole point in this letter. Bottom line, gratitude is a weapon that God uses to transform lives. Gratitude is a weapon that God uses to transform lives. Remember, he talks about meeting needs. He talks about overflowing into many thanks and expressions to God. And I want you to see today that gratitude is a weapon that God uses to transform lives. Right? So I'm gonna put these three things on the screen for you. How we use the weapon of gratitude. What does that look like in our context? Let me just help you understand this, what I mean by gratitude being a weapon. This was really, I want you to anchor into this with me. I just want you to see this. Just, even if you, you're like, oh, I don't want to give time, talent, or treasure. Okay, just, just, just roll with me on this for just a minute and consider the implications of this for just a second on this, all right? 
Weapon is a gratitude. Gratitude is a weapon. I'm so sorry. Gratitude you know, is, is a weapon, right? What do I mean by that? Well, if the purpose of a Christ follower is to advance the kingdom of God, let's just get, let's get real. Let's just let this kind of meditate on this with me, all right? The purpose of a Christ follower is to help advance the kingdom of God. Do we agree with that? But I say no. I'm okay with you going, no, no, Christians are not supposed to advance the kingdom of God, no. Okay, all right, you had your chance. Okay, so we're all supposed to advance the kingdom of God. What did Jesus say to pray? Thy kingdom, thy will be done. See, now you know the prayer. Okay, now let's put it into action. Okay, here we go. Thy kingdom come. That means your kingdom up there or your kingdom in heaven. We want to establish that here on earth, right? While we wait for the Lord. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is. All right, there's the prayer. So, Lord, you want me to pray? Yep, does I want you to pray? So what you say? Okay, sounds great. Pray for my will to be done. Pray for the earth to operate now like heaven is operating now. His kingdom. All right. So we've got to advance the kingdom of God. So I want you to see this. Gratitude is the weapon. Why do I say gratitude is the weapon? Because when you have gratitude for what